Sit. Get myself uh, organized here. As Kevin said, uh, we are going through some selected psalms this summer, and, uh, and so today our uh, sermons will be taken from Psalms 19, and so um, 12 years ago, uh, my wife and I came to America from Syria. Um, I lived in Syria for about eight years where I met and got married to my wife, met Ben, and together we came to America. Now, none of us dreamed of coming to America, but then we received the status, the refugee status, and learned that we will be headed to America. And especially coming to Richmond, Virginia. Now, honestly, we did not know anything about America, and for that fact, we didn't know anybody in Richmond. Now, what the refugees resettlement agency do is that they, when you are accepted and given that status, they will assign you a place. They will say, well, you know what, you're going to this place because that's where they find their, you know, your sponsor. So we were told that we were coming to Richmond, Virginia, which we did not know anybody and didn't know anything about this place. And to make things even more excited or exciting, what they did is they showed us the location of Virginia and Richmond on the map. Exactly. There. You're going there. You're going to that place. So at that time, we took no delay at all in just getting to know what is this place, our potential home. Uh, and then, despite the lack of those details, information, and and the, uh, and. and, and we were, just, we were excited to come to this place. You know, even Medben, my wife and I, we came while she was in labor, just to tell you how excited we were to come to America. <laughs> you know, crossing the ocean in labor. Can you imagine that? We love it. <laughs> and, but as a, part of the presenta- as a part of preparing the newcomers to America, the UN did something that is really great. They, they, you know, they require us to attend an orientation day. Now, um, and at the orientation, what they did is they told us, as, you know, they told us what they thought that we should know about America. So, to start with, they said that we will be working hard and paying something called bills. We didn't know. Well, he just said, you're going to pay bills, so you're going to be working hard. And then they said that um, when you get there and you get the job, we want you to pay back the tickets, the plane tickets, because that was a loan. So it's ironic, right? But they also told us not to get credit cards sooner. Ironic, it is, because the, lo- the, the ticket was a loan in itself. But... Before we landed in America, we were in debt, people. You know? 
we had about two thousand or to pay back. All right. So, but they also told us some helpful information. Things like when you get an emergency, like a medical emergency, call something called nine one one. Um, and, 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 and they told us to be prepared mentally, emotionally, and physically for the thing that we will hear and see, you know, in America. So this preparation was very helpful for us because it painted a picture uh, of this place that we are going to. You know, um, and the reason they were able to tell us this information is because they were American, and they, so they knew the place, they knew the system, they knew the, the, the way things work here. So they were able to paint that picture for us. Likewise, today, as we look into these psalms, this information that we get from these psalms are, um, are information from God for us to know him and to get to know this God. So I, just like when the UN tried to, reveal, to remove the veil from um, the things that we're going to see in America... These psalms that we're going to read today worked as the same. Louis Burkhoff says this, said that if God has not revealed himself, man would not be in a position to know him at all because God is incomprehensible one. Man cannot know him as he is in his, his deepest depth of his divine being. It is impossible for man to gain a perfect knowledge of God. In order for man to get this knowledge, he has to be greater than God. This means, according to the scriptures, that God has removed the veil that covered him and has exposed himself to view. In other words, he has in some ways communicated knowledge of himself to man and has thereby opened the way for men to know him, to worship him, to fellowship with him, and, 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 and so that we can know him. So this psalm today that we're going to look at is divided into Three sections. The first section, David rejoiced in the knowledge of God manifest in the creation. The second, the second one is he rejoiced even in a greater way that God has revealed himself in his written words. And then as he sees God and as he sees himself, he is moved to respond to this God. So this is the picture that we get just to prepare you where we are headed. Okay? Now, a good, a great thing, you know, great things about having children who are younger is that I get to play with them something called hide and seek. Kids, do you like hide and seek? Yeah, they love hide and seek. Uh, Tiam was three years old when we, we, we played this, and we still play that. And the great things about kids and playing hide and seek is even before you say, ready or not, here I come, my, my son Tiam will scream from his room, Dad, I am in my room, come find me. <laughs> what is the point of hide and seek if you want to be found, right? But for me, I play this because I don't want to be found at all. You know, I hide because I don't want to be. And the, the, and the fact is that even when I'm in my hiding place, you know, I'm hiding and they're looking for me, and I am in that place, and they are passing by, I giggle. It's like they cannot see me. I can't believe this. They cannot see me. So, but this is not the way that God revealed Himself to us is is different. You see, God gets delight in revealing Himself to us. He rejoices for us to know Him. That's why we have these psalms today that we're going to read. Psalms 19 is the Word of God. 
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their light is gone out through all the earth, and their word to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices at a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and is circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hidden from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The status of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them it is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from sacred faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This is a long psalms, and I see that we have our kids with us today. So, Rest assured, I am not going to go verse by verse. Right? Now, if I was in South Sudan or preaching to Africa, that would take me at least an hour. Exactly. But I'm not going to do that today. So, thankfully, for the, I have a timer here. So I'm going to set my time so that I know when to stop. There we go. All right. So why would God do this? Why would God reveal himself to us? You see, this piece of poetry is, uh, is, is aimed at painting a great picture of the pathway whereby man can know God and can gain this knowledge of God, can gain knowledge of himself, can gain knowledge of the surrounding. And this mutual knowledge will allow him to find joy and contentment not in the things that these elements point to but these elements themselves, but to the object these elements point to. They point to God. And so men find their fulfillment not in this thing, not in the heavens, not in the sky, even not in the sun, but they, we find our fulfillment in God, who these elements preach about and speak about. So this is why God is revealing himself to us. So what I want to encourage you today is to open your eyes to see the way in which God is unknown to you. You know, in which that God is not known to you. Because the purpose of this is for you and I to know him, to commune with him, to fellowship with him. You see, that's, 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 that's the message here. And, there, and, and you know what? There's no way that you can worship or I can worship something that I don't know. You know, we worship what we know. So, as the psalmist look, come out and meditate in the masterpiece and magnificent artwork of God, he looks where? He looks up. 
He looked up to the heavens, to the sky, and see its beauty. And that beauty draws him to see the glory of God manifest in them. What he does, he, he recalls. He recalls to the second day of creation. And, and then in the second day of the creation, God called heaven the firmaments. So when you look there and see the sky and the, and, 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 and the firmament, they are referring to the same thing. But because of the beauty of the sky, because of the beauty of heaven, some is drawn to recall that God actually created these things. That God created the heaven. He wondered, and he's just like, how wonderful this is. If the heaven is created by God, how greater God would be. You see, how greater is he? This discovery moves him to glorify God. This discovery moves him to desire, to just, you know, to lay hold of this God. And say, I just want nothing else but this God. I want to know him. I want to get to know him. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. I think we praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is, the, it is its appointment consummation. It is not out of compliment, but the lovers keep telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it's expressed. You see, as you reflect on this, as, as, as the psalmist reflect on these in the heavens and the beauty of heavens, he does something. He is moved to worship God. You see, it's not out of complimenting God that they haven't declaring God. God is great, of course, right? That's his essence. So the rejoicing of heavens completes their essence, their, 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 their existence. This as we sang today. You know, we sing because we find our fulfillment in God. You know, we, we sing to him. We praise him because that fulfills us. By doing this, the heaven acknowledge that they are not they're not God themselves, but they are created beings. They are created um, elements. And they are doing this to, as a testimony, the bearing to testimony of the knowledge of God. So how about you? Let me ask you this. How about you today? What about us? Is the fact that, that, that as we look into the sky and see the greatness of God, does that give us joy? Does that give us fulfillment? You know? And, and, and looking up in the sky, we see that there is not a single day that goes by that we don't see God's provision. See, the sun rose up today, didn't it? You know, this is, a, this is the mercy from God. So do you find joy in being found by God? Do you find joy in seeing that God created all these things um, and, and, for, and for our enjoyment. But David doesn't, is not only moved by the greatness of heaven. That is true, but he goes further. He noticed the position where the heavens is located. He noticed the, the position of the, the sky. And that is, the sky is at a position where it's at an elevated position. It's, it's above everyone. It's above it's above all of us. So we can see the greatness of God. We can see the power of God everywhere. You see, everywhere. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter 
what color you are. It doesn't matter you're rich or poor. The greatness of God, the existence of God is seen by everyone. You see, and, and that moves him. That moves him. And, and that makes him to say that their silent message, the message that they're trying to say is seen by everyone. This is why the commentators call this part of some is general revelation because it's revealed God to everyone just by their fact that they're being in this physical world. Therefore, Paul also would say that for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. You see, in addition to God revealing himself in, in, in heaven, in addition to God revealing himself in letters common to everyone, you know, by looking to the sky, you don't have to have a certain um, degree, right? Even the simple can see that there is a God who created all these things. You see, it, this letter is to everyone. It's common to everyone. We can see that. But he gives us another imagery, another image of God, and that is of a son. The son there is displayed as giving us the sense of or, 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 or the attribute of God of being powerful, of being wise. But also he gives us another imagery of like that day unto day they speak speech and night unto night they show us knowledge. The succession of day and night also is an evidence of God's care, God's consistency, God's love for us. This is his providence for mankind. So he made it clear. You know what? Sun is great. Heavens are great. But they are not God. They point to someone who is greater than they. And that someone is God and needs to be worshipped. Can you see this picture that he's painting? It's just picture. He's just standing out there and looking at what God has created. We were at the beach like three weeks ago, and I mean, I cannot help it but to be moved by the greatness of the ocean. There is something that moves us to these things that God had created. You know, the beauty, the things that we wonder, we can't even grasp, we can't even lay hold of those things. Amen. So can you see this picture? The heavens describe us as choir masters, you know, that are proclaiming to us, hey, hey, you know, see God, he is here, he is around. You see, it's like that child, my, my, my son, who is saying that, dad, I'm here, come find me. Just God is telling us there that, you know what, you don't have to even finish one, two, three. He's saying, whoa, I'm here before you finish. Can you see it? I'm here. You know, and these elements proclaim that. This element is pointing us to this God. And their purpose is to illuminate to us the knowledge and the power of God in order for us to understand him and understand his message. Then, when you get that, then you really like at the edge of your seat and you're saying, wow, this is wonderful. I'm just taking this in. The Psalms end abruptly. And that part abruptly. And he says that, and there's nothing hidden from that, from the heat thereof. What is going on here? This is, I think this is what makes this sound so wonderful. This is makes this sound so great, uh, in my opinion. Greater, the, greatest test, the greatest poem ever written. And that is like, he's, he gives you this movement of the sun running as a... As, 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 uh, you know, as a, as a strong man, 
running as a bridegroom. He's giving you this element that you are, it's, it's, things are moving. Then he said, nothing is hidden from it. You see, the psalmist is standing there and he's looking and he's trying to just find ways to know this God. And then all of a sudden, he felt exposed and naked under the heat of the sun. And he has to find a cover. He has to find a place where he can run to hide. He has to find a place where he can, you know, find relief. Paul says this way, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither was thankful to, but becomes vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. It is true that the nature tells us about God, and it's just screaming out, look, God is here. But our ability to perceive that has been corrupted by sin. And the nature itself has been corrupted by sin. Therefore, it cannot really give us that knowledge that we desire from, uh, of God. You see, that's why you, if you go and read Psalm 42, the psalm will say, he says this, he just cried out, because this is a great psalm. Then he said, as the deer pants for stream of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. This great the nature proclaimed God, but there is something in him. There is that hole, that, there is that thirst for God, that there's nothing that can quench that thirst but God only. As a result, he has to find a place for hiding. He has to end there because he doesn't find a, a, a place of hiding. And he introduces the next thing that we're going to look at. Some of you are looking at me today. It's like, you are here. I'm here. Great. My sin exposed. I am exposed. I am naked before God, before everybody. What shall I do? You see, our souls, brothers and sisters, long for something solid, something true, something immortal, something that, 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 that we can trust, that something that doesn't die. No streams can quench that thirst. Just like the Samaritan woman. There's, we, we kept coming to the well, you know? We kept coming to the well. We just kept coming to the well. Because we cannot rest until we know God, until we get to know who He is and who we are in Him. Jesus told her and said, you worship what you don't know. We can worship God if He is unknown to us. Amen? We cannot worship if He is unknown to us. He has to reveal himself to us. Listen, Proverbs says this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into and is safe. You see, as God shows you your sin, and as God exposes you today to see who you are and who he is, let me encourage you not to run away from him, but rather run to him because he is your strong tower. He is your hiding place. Yes, sin has affected nature and our view of it, but that's not at all. There, if there is anything that I and you learn from our first parent Adam and Eve, it's nothing but this. Hide from 
God when you are exposed. Hide from him. We are taught not to show our weakness. We are, not, we are taught not to show um, the sense of fear or failure. As a result of not showing these things, we, what do we do? We live our lives in hiding, in covering up. Just like Adam and Eve. They saw nature as a hiding place. That was an intent for the nature to do that. The nature work here is to glorify God, to preach about God, not to provide covering, right? Not to provide redemption. It's to point us to the one who can give us that redemption. But what we do, we go around and find some, some fixed leaves and say, okay, I'm exposed, but, and I know God is there, but you know what? I'm just going to put these fig leaves around me and I'll be fine. That's what we do. By, by hiding. And that doesn't make our sins go away. So let me encourage you, stop right now. Stop hiding. Because the most person that is hurting right now is not the person sitting next to you. It's not your husband. It's not your friend. It's not your children. It's not your neighbor. The person that is hurting by hiding that sin is you. It's you and it's I. And because of that, we cannot experience this witness of God. We cannot experience this joy that we can get from God. On the other hand, if we, if we come to God and confess our sin, the Bible says that he is just and righteous and willing to forgive all our sin, the known and the unknown, the secret and even those sins that we are so terrified of. And then we can find God as our strong tower. My friends, hear this. Jesus sees your struggle. Jesus sees your pain. Jesus sees your sin. And he is willing to come in. And not only to point your sin out, but to say, you know what? I can take that burden off your shoulder. Would you allow me? Can you hear him knocking at the door of your heart? Can you hear his finger knocking and saying, open the door so that I can come and set my tent in your heart, in your soul? Can you hear him saying, open up, I am right here. This is good news for me and you today. And it's not for a special group. Don't say that, oh, this is not for me. It's for everyone, as we have seen already. It's for everyone who is hearing this word today. It's for everyone who is under the sun. This is for everyone who is from every tribe, every language, every tongue, every nation, who would hear the voice of the Lord through the creation, through his word. We long for something more. The psalmist longed for something more. That's why he stopped there abruptly. And then he said, I need to find something. Where can I go and find something solid? Where can I go? Bam, he found it. And he went into the law of the Lord. He went into the word of the Lord. He said, yes, this is, will give me what I need. 
One of the ways, as I said, one of the ways that I find God is unknown to me, that I find God is not there for me, is the image of God as a father. Let me explain. I remember my first and last conversation with my dad. That was in Syria, 1997. I was 15 at that time. Uh, I was living with my, my, fa- my, bro- my brother's family in Syria. And it has almost been eight years, eight years, I haven't heard him or seen him. And so I was so afraid to come to the phone because I thought, what if I've forgotten his voice? What if I can't recognize his voice? But not only that, in addition to the fear, you know what I came to the phone with? I came to the phone, to that phone, with a long list of the things that I want him to explain to me. And this is the list. Dad, at age seven, you send me away. Why is that? Give me that list. I need to know every single of them. But not only that, I needed to know that why you even didn't come to visit when I was in Khartoum. What prevented you to do that? So I have this long list. All of you, all of us, we have all those lists. You know, don't look at me and say, yeah, yeah, I don't have the list. We all have the list. You know, you have the list that God, why this happened to me, why this happened to my friend. We all have that list. So I came to my father and with this long list, with fear and anxiety, so that he can explain to me. So, did you think that he explained to me? Then I heard his familiar voice. And all of a sudden, his voice brought back sweet memories. And I can see it, I can feel it, that just he's, he, he is standing there. As he is not on the phone, he's just standing there in his arms around me. I can, I can feel his presence, his voice, broad memories, flashbacks of, I began to put the pieces together, his face, his voice, how he looked like, and all of these things. And it was then that I could not, my friend, I could not hold myself. I could not hold myself, and the tears of joy and comfort filled my eyes. I was soaked in tears. Unbelief of this is, I'm hearing the voice of my dad, you know. And, 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 and my dad did not give me what I wanted to hear. He did not give me a full explanation of why he sent me away. Because that's not what I needed. That's what I wanted. I wanted that. That would be awesome. That would be nice. Explain to me. Tell me. Give me an understanding of what's going on here. But all I remember from that conversation, and honestly, that what I needed was to hear this. He said, son, I know you. Go to school. That was all I can remember. You know why all that I can remember? Because the rest of the conversation, I was crying. I just, the, this list that I had is disappeared. I don't know where it was. You can see, I can, I can feel it. I can feel the anger, but the joy. Together. You go figure it out. I cannot figure it out. How can you be so happy, but yet angry at this person? So, 
he did not give me a full he gave me what I needed to hear. I needed to hear this. And hearing that from my father meant everything to me. It revives me. It gave me an understanding of my identity that was lost. It gave me a joy that is I cannot ex- just express. And also it gave me a right to stand. It gave me clarity. Likewise, when the psalmist was looking for something to lay hold of, and he cannot get that from the nature, he turned into something solid, which is the Word of God. What can be more solid? What can be more, um, what can be more incorruptible? What can be more sure than his Word? So he turned into that. He turned into his Word. When you think about the law, we don't associate it with, we don't associate it with joy. We don't associate it with gold. We don't associate it with honey, right? We associate it with something that can rob you from joy, something that hinders you. But the, the psalmist here is, talk, is, 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 is telling us is to, the total opposite. We see the law of God, which can be translated here as the whole counsel of God written in his word here. You can see it from the synonyms that, the, that David uses. He uses the law. He uses testimony, status, status, and uses commands. He uses fear and judgment. All these things can be translated as the whole counsel of God's words. You see, our soul longs for that. We so long for that. And in my heart, I had that hole that need to be filled with the confirmation from my dad of my identity. The same thing with God. We have that hole that God only can fill with his sense of confirming who we are and who he is to us. You see, and, 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 and not until we really, that, that, that hole is filled with God, until then, we will not really enjoy him. We will only just think of him as that person who is, who, 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 who is coming and just seeing what you're doing is wrong and just beating you with a stick on your head. It's not as a loving person, as a loving God. At the cross, you and I were declared innocent. Hallelujah to Jesus. You know, all because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So do you believe this today? Do you believe that your sins has been paid for? Do you believe that Jesus covers all of your sin, past, present, and future, even the sins that you are thinking about right now. When we read the word of God, there are the benefits that David is trying to, is telling us there to lay, uh, lay hold of. First, our soul is revived and we are restored. Our identity is restored. We are revived. We are converted. We are a new creation. And God begins to do his work in us from inside out. Then what we see here is that God, we get wise. We become wise in his sight. You know what? This is very simple. The salvation is for everyone. For all of us. For those who fear God. For those who honor God. For those who would allow him to do his work in in their lives. And the third thing we see here is that gives you joy. And what I mean by joy is the whole shalom. It's the peace with God, peace with self, and peace with people around you. You know, that what, you know, I, when, after I heard the voice of my dad, I had that peace. 
And that's what we need, that shalom, that peace that God can give us. And the fourthly is that the word of God enlightens our eyes. We begin to see creation for what it is, you know, with renewed eyes. When you look around, and a few weeks ago we had, we had I think it was a, a storm. And some of you have been affected by that. We, we lost power for some days. And when you look at that, and you're like, what's going on here? Instead of anger, instead of, 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 of bitterness toward God, that this is because God doesn't love me, because God doesn't care, because God is not there, we begin to see these things in a very different way. You know, that the world is affected by sin, and as a result, these things happen. The nature cannot reveal to us what God and who God is. But one important thing that the, that the psalmist wants us to know here is that you cannot separate God from his word. You see that? God is his word. His word is God. He wants us to see that. That's why you see that they all are intertwined together. When he's, you read that and you're like, God is perfect. God is upright. God is just. God is holy. God is radiant. God is consistent. And then you read his word. They are all, you cannot separate them. You cannot separate God from his word. What he says, he will do. He is faithful. I can remember there are times when I walk barefooted. There are times when I went to bed hungry. There are times when I wonder, you know, because we had nothing to eat. We had nothing at all. But you better believe that it was very difficult. It was very hard to see God in those moments. Maybe you are going through something right now and you cannot see God clearly because of the circumstances you are in. And I view these circumstances as God not loving me, as God not caring for me, blinded me from to see God. I can only say by the grace of God that the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ is sure. God is trustworthy. He cannot lie. You know, the world will pass away, but his word will never pass away. That's what we need. That's more solid than anything else. You see, that's what I wanted to hear. He's faithful. The enemy is trying. The flesh is trying. The world is trying to tell you, you know what? Don't believe in God. Don't trust in him. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care. You are in, alo- you are in it alone. These are the lies that the enemy is trying to put in our lives to prevent us to see the light of God. But when our soul is converted is then we can have a joy of the Lord. What is our response to this? What is our response to these psalms today? The psalmist looked to the sky, he looked at the law of God, he said, whoa. He confesses his inability to keep the law. He confesses his inability to read the clear Word of God through the creation. He turned and found himself to find the scope of the redemption. And he said, what can I do right now? And he said, he found that the redemption work of Jesus extends to even his hidden faults. The presumptuous fault. The things that he knows, the sin that he knows, the sin that he doesn't know, the sin that he is even not aware of. He said, God, I need your help. And he finds this servant, the blameless servant of God, Jesus Christ. 
who can forgive his sin. Your sins are forgiven. All, paid for, past, future, and even the one that you are thinking about right now. They're all gone. Doesn't remember them anymore. You see, that's how beautiful it is. My time is up, so my, my clock is telling me my time is up, so I have to wrap this up. See, that's, that's great about this thing, you know? I can go on and on. To end this, let me encourage you. For, in the Gospel of John, we, see about, we read about a woman who was taken in the act of idolatry. Her sin was exposed. Her sin was exposed. Everybody knew about her sin in the town. But there are other people who brought her. Their sin were not even known. Their sin was secret. But what does Jesus do when she stands there and when the other people who are accusing her stand before Jesus? Jesus points her to see themselves as truly what they are. The question is then, who remained standing? Who remained standing? The person that remained standing, the one that can see that Jesus is both the one that wounds and the one that heals. is the one that remained standing. The other men, the other people who came, they saw their sin for what it is, but guess what? They left. They left. They left with it. Because they did not see Jesus as both. This is a terrible place to be. To come to the stream of water. To come the one that can give you the answer. And you stand before him and you don't see that he is that good. And you take your sin back with you. It's a terrible place to be. So I'm speaking to two groups of people today. Those who see their sin for what they are. But they stand in the presence of God and say, Lord, I see my sin for what it is, but I cannot do it alone. I need your help. And I don't want to take this sin back to where I came from. I don't want to go and grab them on the way out. I'm leaving them at the foot of the cross because I know that you're the same one who heals. You're the same one who wounds me and heals me. So you are my refuge. Where can we go? You have the word of eternal life. I'm not leaving these sins. I'm not leaving with them. I'm leaving them at the foot of the cross. I'm standing there because he is the same one who loves me. The one who died for me. Please leave your sin at the foot of the cross. Leave them at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. But for those of, for those of us who say, though, you know what, I'm not going to get caught. I pray that your sin be exposed. And this, this is a mercy from God. And that God would open your eyes to see yourself as he sees it. Sees him today as a sinner justified by the blood of Jesus. Because at the cross, what happened? Jesus hung under the heat of the wrath of God. So you don't have to stand in the heat there. You don't have to find a hiding place. Hide in him. Hide in his good work that he has done on the cross. As I was reading this, I reminded of this, and I, cannot, I have to tell you this before I finish, is uh, the imagery, another image that he gives of the bridegroom. If you are an African you will understand this. And this is another, well, this will be another sermon. Tell you that. 
Because when you talk, talk about the bridegroom, that's something else. So, hear this. Jesus is your bridegroom who has paid your dowry in full, not with gold or silver or with cattle, but with his precious blood. He died to purchase you. He rose again at the right hand of God right now, interceding for your sin. Do you believe this? Do you believe that sin has no dominion over you? Do you believe that you can hide in him? If you do, he is a sweet and his word is as gold and as honey. Rejoice in knowing that he is for you today. Let me pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, you are good, you are faithful, you are kind. Lord, it is not easy for us to run to you. We always are hiding. But help us to see you as one who both wounds and the one who heals. Lord, you are faithful and you are kind. As we are about to partake of these elements before, it's another way for you telling us that you love us, another way for you to tell us to come and taste that you are good and that you are faithful. So, Father, I pray that you give us the courage that we need today to leave our sin at the foot of the cross and to come and embrace you as you reveal yourself through the sacrament, through the song, and all as we claim that to one another today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.